After Buzzers. Can't wait to discuss tonight's American Gothic. This is season one, episode six, The Chess Players. I knew it all along. I've trusted in Garrett. Have you also? Don't go away. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, After Buzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. <laughs> just love the tone of this song for this show. Every week when we see that cinematic opening, we got the tree and the house. I love it. I don't know. I feel like we were all up with that After Buzz theme and then it's slow. <laughs> now I'm going to sleep. Well, thank you so much for joining us, After Buzzers. We are glad to be here with you once again tonight. This is the American Gothic After Show for After Buzz TV. I'm Zoe Hewitt and sitting to my left are... Hey guys, I'm Gabriel Gonzalez. You can catch me on Twitter at Double G on TV. And I'm Lucretia Lyons. You can always find me anywhere at L-A-C-R-E-T-I-A-L-Y-O-N, anywhere on the internet since there is only one. And again, I'm Zoe Hewitt. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Zoe Said What. That's Z-O-E Said What. And as we get into it, of course, we will tell you where to find the episode title painting. And if you've been following along with us every week, every episode title of this show corresponds to a famous American painting. So we'll let you know where to find it in the show and what it means to this show. So jumping right into the pre-credits, we had this great scene that was actually um, very reminiscent of the first episode with Tessa and Brady in the car driving. We opened with Tessa talking about how she has always had such vivid nightmares. She feels like she's in the middle of one. And that's intercut with Allison, who is at a um, high school where she's in the middle of a mayoral debate. And she tells a story about her dad. And of course, it's intercut back and forth with Tessa and Brady, who are hurrying to get there. And as Allison and the mayor are talking about gun control, we also have Kim and Jack who are watching at home. So everyone's sitting there with rapt attention. And it turns out that they are correct, too, because suddenly a reporter stands up and says, hey, Allison, did you know that the SBK, SBK killer is linked to your family? Dun, dun, dun and we cut to the opening credits. Now, Gabriel, did you see that coming? I did not. I didn't think that um, it was going to escalate as quickly as it did. I mean, I knew we knew we were setting up for something when we found out that it wasn't cams, but I didn't expect it to, you know, so many things to happen now simultaneously. I didn't think they'd put Allison in that kind of spot either, so it was very interesting, but what I liked is it really raised the stakes for the episode. They weren't just kicking it on their nice rich people couch and, <laughs> oh, the cops knock on the door. Mm-hmm. What about you, Lucretia? Did you think that Allison was going to be blindsided like that? Yeah, to me, when you see two characters racing against time like that, you're like, they're not going to make it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. They never yeah. do. <laughs> never. Not going to make it. Didn't think so. But I wasn't convinced at the opening that that's where they were going. Like, I don't know. I just felt like Tess and Brady were headed somewhere else. Maybe because also in the very first episode that we had that same reference, they were really just hurrying because of their baby-making time frame. Mm -hmm. And so I guess I didn't expect the stakes to be so high so quickly. With the teaser, I also thought it was possible that maybe they're rushing to get to Garrett. Because we knew he was going to be a focal point of this episode from last week's teaser. So I thought, you know, is it going to be one of those things like flashback last 24 hours and then we find out they're trying to save him or stop him, whatever it may be. So I thought that might be it. Yeah. And I know we're going to get to the great ending and the good Garrett, but I just want to say here and now I have always been firm that I didn't think Garrett did it. So I just want to put it out there. (laughs) Me too, because he's hot. And that's honestly my reasoning. But yeah, I will say. I'd like to point out, it hasn't been ruled out that it isn't 
him in some way. It's just ruled out that uh, it wasn't his blood. <laughs> no, I but okay, I, yeah. we'll we'll get there. We will definitely get there because yeah, he's that's too a big obvious point. all the time to be the killer. That's yeah. exactly too obvious. Yeah. It's him though. <laughs> well, you keep holding on to that, Gabriel. And then when we come back from the opening credits of the show, which speaking of opening credits, I'm really excited to say if you notice behind us, we have the correct show logo behind us. So we're really excited about that. And for anyone who's listening, we had the incorrect show logo. Now we have the correct one. So we're excited about that. And it's changed um, on iTunes too when you look. Us up, so that's pretty fun. Although, incidentally, it's not changed on our YouTube show as we're streaming right now. So, but if you look behind us, we've got the right one. So, (laughs) woohoo! So, baby steps. (laughs) So, we came back from the opening credits of the show. We come back to everyone at home and we get um, really a rare glimpse of Allison and Tom's twins because they really don't show up very often. Madeline's on the phone with her attorney who says, hey, if the police come to us and ask for DNA, the attorney is saying to do it. Um, And Tessa basically fesses up to saying that she told Brady it was okay to give the DNA to the police. And Allison says, hey, really only one thing matters, and that's which one of us is the guilty one. So she's definitely on board, not anymore to think that, hey, possibly there was a mix-up, but hey, one of us is guilty. Then, of course, we cut to Garrett and Christina are in the woods. He takes her cell phone from her, supposed to be a little bit ominous, but Christina is still trusting. And we've got Jack and Cam, who see the reporters outside, and Jack calls them vultures. That's our first mention in this episode of Birds of Prey, which is always great. And um, Brady is uh, going out, he says, to tell the vultures to back off. Madeline says that um, the police are going to manipulate the evidence. It happens all the time. And behind Allison, we see that bird lamp that we have seen many times during the show already, which I just love with those creepy-looking bird legs out of the bottom. The police do come in. They have a warrant, and they swab everyone for DNA. So we know that sometime in this episode, we will get some sort of revolution. But back to the woods, we've got Garrett talking to Christina, and um, he sort of teases her a little bit that she's a vegan, and then he says, you know, we're going to kill a rabbit for dinner, and then he <laughs> says, oh, just kidding, I've got some food for you. <laughs> and um, speaking of food, then we've got the family dinner, and Madeline cooked some meatloaf, which Cam says looks like human remains. <laughs> so quite a bit, and a lot of talk about food in particular in this part of the episode. So Lucretia, what did you think? I really loved the uh, dinner scene with Cam and everyone. That was just so funny because they're like, it looks like human remains. And they're not used to Madeline cooking either, so they're suspect anyway. Like, I mean, to me, if I were Cam and Tess, for sure, the two of them should be thinking, Mom's going to poison us. (laughs) Uh, I was just going to say, when I look at it just through the camera on screen, it's like, I wouldn't eat that either. And you got to think they're used to, you know, mm. gourmet cooking from the help. And then I found a funny Madeline points out, yes, I can cook. You know, <laughs> like, what do you think? Everything is catered to me. So I love that moment. But um, definitely just everyone's expressions during that scene. They're just so true to character. Just like their awkward family hugs, their awkward mm-hmm. family meals yes. don't mm-hmm. disappoint ever. This is true. And so much in this show really revolves around food because we had Garrett going back to the diner and getting the drinks. We have the moms, Madeline's mom, who works in a diner. And now we've got their family dinner. And I have to say that when I saw that meatloaf, I was thinking, I think that's meatloaf, but I'm not positive. (laughs) What is that? So uh, when she sort of threw the meatloaf off the table, I also felt like that was a little bit melodramatic of her. I felt like she's been, Madeline has been so calm and collected this whole time that it felt like a little over the top. I wasn't sure I bought that she would just fling it away. Did you guys buy it? Yeah, I think it was all for show. 
Yeah, you know, that, it felt a little forced. They wanted that effect, so maybe not the strongest moment. But um, what I love, you notice that, you know, when Cam needs to feed his son, he doesn't take him any of the meatloaf. He, he chooses to take the bagel with him on the way out. So I think that says everything you need to know about Madeline's cooking. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Clearly there's a reason they have a chef. And then Jack goes to bed and Allison says, hey guys, we all know that it was Garrett, but Tessa still sticks up for Garrett. And um, Cam says, no, I think you're wrong. I think it was our dad. I saw him dragging the body. But Allison defends Mitchell the dad. So they've got these sort of crossed lines at this point and alliances. We've got um, Mm -hmm. Allison who's defending Mitch and Tessa who's defending... um, Yes, thank you. (laughs) And then uh, Madeline says, uh, basically, don't allow the press to rip them apart. And she says, hey, basically, everyone, go to your rooms. Like, enough here. (laughs) You're all adults, but go to your rooms. (laughs) That's what I was thinking. It's like, you know, it's like, you know, they're not 10, right? But I guess that shows, you know, the kind of power Madeline kind of wields over Mm -hmm. that house. So, Well, did you feel like she was wielding power or that she was sort of like, go and everyone thought, hey, you know what, I'll throw my hands up. I'm not even worth staying here with your bad meatloaf mom i don't know i personally just because madeline you know what i love about ah, virginia madsen's performance is that you know just that authority that very um just uh that presence she has Mm -hmm. when she's in the scenes with all the other characters i think that really comes through and i think that was a good example that you know it doesn't matter that the brother's got his thing going on. The Allison's a politician. Mm-hmm. She is the one in charge in the Hawthorne house, period. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and it's interesting, too, in terms of the title of this and the painting. And we will get there when we get to the painting, but what it represents. So stick with us, guys, and we will <laughs> get there. But in the next part of the show, Jack is reading about vultures and... Um, It's interesting because he tells us what we've been talking about since week one and since um, an article that we read that um, the producer had mentioned that um, basically psychopaths decorate their homes with birds of prey because, as Jack says, it's their subconscious manifestation of their own predatory instinct. And then he points out, hey, Dad, didn't you notice we have birds of prey all over this house? (laughs) Creepy. And Cam is like, huh. Never noticed that before. And he starts wandering around the house, basically. So I thought it was nice that they gave us that explanation. So anyone who maybe hadn't seen that interview or hadn't been watching us this whole time, you sort of got that. How dare (laughs) you? And Jack's just so adorable with his little facts. I mean, I was sort of like that when I was his age, um, except for the whole, you know, serial killer tendencies that you know of. So you had a creepy doll and everything. I got to point out Cam's facial expressions where he's just sitting there like listening to his son and he's like oh shit he's right (laughs) yeah and you know his expression when he starts noticing all the ones it's i I love that it's such a great inside joke for the diehard fans who've been really following Mm -hmm. this mystery that suddenly cam sees every single one and it's hilarious when you Mm -hmm. think about it I agree that suddenly it's like the light was turned on for him. And I have to wonder, too, last week I feel like they really ruled Cam out as the potential killer. He Mm -hmm. sees someone dragging the body. So for my money, I think I'm off of him as a suspect. So I feel like now maybe that we're hitting the midpoint that we're going to start seeing people get eliminated until maybe by the end we really are down to just a couple of options by that point. So um, then we have Allison who's watching Family Feud and um, Mm -hmm. Tom comes in. He says, you know, he put the girls to bed and he touches her and she says basically like, stay away from me. I am not interested. 
And um, Ted, Tom, did I call him Ted earlier? I meant Tom. But Tom, her husband, notes that he thinks that she and Naomi are having more than a fling, even though she says, oh, no, honey, it's just a fling. And, of course, at this point, this is where we're intercut with Cam walking around and sees birds of prey everywhere. He sees an owl on the table in the foyer. There's another table that's on the stand out there. There's a vulture in a painting. Then he sees yet another bird on a table. So, right, there are birds of prey everywhere, and that's in just one room of their house. I found it surprising that he didn't have that moment where he looks at his own bicep, because we know he has that too there, and then it's like... Oh, damn. <laughs> that, that it wouldn't cross his mind. <laughs> I was expecting that, too. Like, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, plus birds are creepy. If someone really likes birds, that is a red flag to me as well. And I did study psychopaths in college, so I'm like, I think I should know. Liking birds is creepy. That's See, I, used funny. To, so, I actually have a thing for blue jays, actually. Uh, I used to have, um, you know... Not like a collection, but I had a small thing, you know. I just think they're beautiful animals, not vultures and owls and fierce things like that, though. That's a little too far. (laughs) There's something for everyone, right? Well, Sophie then shows up. She says, hey, I have always trusted you, Cam, so we need to get away from your family. And, you know, your family is toxic for you, that basically Jack and I are your family now, and you need to get away from them. And it definitely, there were a couple of parallels here, too. We had Allison, who was, at this point was turning away from Tom in bed. And then um, Cam was turning away from Sophie also. So in this section, we also had two parallels of couples who were not feeling as, say, romantically inclined, as we have seen them in past episodes. So what did you guys make of that? I think it's a great development for Cam, personally. I think um, what I love about his character is he's getting so much more fleshed out every week, you know, and his motivations, you know. The thing about a mystery, the thing that gives us substance, how are these characters handling their good and bad emotions? And I think we're really starting to see Cam really mature and take it seriously. Yes, he does provide great comic relief, but also, you know... He's just getting more grounded, and I really like that, and I think you really see that in his interactions with Sophie. Yeah, to me, this is Cam really taking charge here, like he hasn't before. He's always been the screw-up, but now he sees, um, you know, and I think this whole family crisis has really brought out that in him, is that he can't do that. He has to be a dad. And I really liked, actually, the scene with him and Madeline talking about the addiction, But yeah, I think that it shows in this episode that Sophie isn't the problem. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that it's definitely his family. And I thought it was interesting, too, because we've seen Tom a lot in this episode and the girls. Like, we've really barely seen those twins at all Mm -hmm. during the show. Mm -hmm. And they stepped in and took a bigger part. And it's interesting to me, too, how Tom was okay with the relationship with um, between Allison and Naomi when it was just a fling. But as soon as he started to feel like it was more serious, he clearly started to have problems with it as well. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, you know, it's very interesting because those are really big stakes when you think about them, you know, that how does Allison, you know, explain that to her twin girls, you know, like, hey, you know, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm still a dad, but, you know, you feel like this situation with Naomi is going to come out eventually. Oh, yeah. So I feel like, well, that's... The kids have to play a big part in it, and I really want them to to become a bigger presence because that's part of Allison's motivation. Yeah, and to me, with Tom, the way that he acted over um, the situation with Naomi is just... 
it's very odd to me because he see he was okay with everything until the I love you, but I don't feel like he's actually in love with Allison either. It, it, and to me, it just seems like you know they're this power couple, and he needs her for his you know rise to power. But yeah, there's no love there either. So what's the big deal? I agree. I think there's yeah. no love, but I also tend to think there was at some point. And that they've maybe just grown apart, and I don't know if it was just because of this mayoral campaign or if it was coming even before that. But I feel like at one point he loved her. I'm not sure. I'd like to think she loved him too. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure about that as much, but I feel like at some point he did love her. But yeah, I agree. I don't think it's there. Now I feel like it's just jealousy over Naomi more than anything. I agree. Uh, I was going to say, you know, if there was love there, I think it's safe to say that their current relationship really revolves around control. And I Mm -hmm. think the thing that bothers Tom is that he believes he has a level of control over Allison, even though I think as the audience, we feel like Allison is the one holding more of the cards. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and Naomi said that to him as well. She pointed that out. Yeah. Right. She does Mm -hmm. say that later. Like, if you think she's going to sit down and take it, like, who do you think she is? (laughs) And so... Then as the episode continues, we have Tessa who's going through everything in Garrett's room and Cam comes in as he's been wandering around in the middle of the night and they both spot a bell in Garrett's room on the wall and start laughing and it's this sort of weirdly uncomfortable laughing. And we've had some other moments between them and between some of the other siblings where it has felt very real and natural, but this was not one of them. (laughs) I thought it was just a very awkward moment. And at the same time, Allison is up in the middle of the night too and she's sitting at a desk, um, presumably a her dad's desk or her mom's since yeah, they're in the their study, house right? yeah, yeah in the study and um you know she looks up she sees a photo of her with her dad she smiles then she gets up and on the desk there is another bird and she goes over to the bookshelf and pulls out a copy of weathering heights and she opens it and finds out that it's a hollowed out book and in it are photos of her mom as well as a folded up piece of paper and at this point mm-hmm. we don't know what's in the paper but she doesn't look surprised at all to me to see that it's a hollowed out book so i felt like What was the big reveal here then? Because if she knew that there was a hole in that book, she knew to walk over to it. Yeah, to me, the relationship that Allison and Mitch had is very suspect because she just seems way too defensive of her father. And I get a little daddy's girl. But I do believe that, I don't know if she maybe knew in a way and didn't want to admit it. Or, you know, is just, as we've pointed out, a politician, easy at hiding it. I think that she knows more than she's let on, whether subconsciously or not. And yeah, the scene with uh, Cam and Tessa, I actually thought that was really funny. So you <laughs> didn't feel that weird, uncomfortable part that I felt? You you felt like it was just a natural, sort of more organic, I guess? Well, yeah, I mean, because a lot of people, what is your instinct? I mean, it is horrible, as they're saying, but now right. they're laughing at it, you know, uncomfortably and awkwardly, yeah. like they do all in the family, Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, you mm. look, we've already made it very no. clear awkwardness rules in that family. <laughs> exactly. But, um, so I agree that, you know what, it's one of those things that, you know, so much stuff has happened that is just like, I think you, you saw that they were cracking. Like, I really can't mm. take this anymore. Yeah. I am losing it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Cam, we already, we've seen him visibly lose it in the last episode. Tess, she handles her emotions differently, but... I think that's what we take it to understand. I agree, it's a, it did feel a little bit forced, but then again, when you think about the absurdity of the situation, mm-hmm. he's got a giant bell in his room. Mm-hmm. They have a million birds. It's like, you know what? I, that was their way of acknowledging, you know what? Dude, we are a messed up family. <laughs> yeah. Damn. 
I mean, I definitely agree. I didn't think that they're awkward. Mm. It's just, to me, I was yeah. like, I felt like that continuing feeling of like, awkward, 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 mm. you know, which I think we've talked about so many times that there are so many instances where they interact and they hug and it's just this very uncomfortable feeling. Like, how does it keep happening, right? Like, because we've already settled it. Is that what you mean? No, I just felt like, I guess it was just another one of those overly awkward moments that you know, again, like, they're laughing, but it, it felt uncomfortable to me, like an uncomfortable laughter. So, uh, I got it. and maybe it's just that I feel like all of their interactions follow these same mm-hmm. sort of awkward patterns, for lack of a better word. And, um, hey, if you are watching or listening on iTunes, don't forget, too, you can let us know your thoughts. And, uh, you know, we're in the chat if you're on live right now. If you've got, um, you know, if you're watching us on YouTube, please feel free to comment. We'll comment back. Let us know if you thought this was an awkward moment. Let us know if you (laughs) thought there were other awkward moments. So, uh, thank you. We love when you continue the discussion with us. Mm -hmm. And continuing the discussion of the show, Allison comes in with the police saying that the police report which is presumably what she pulled out of the book and she says hey guys i think dad maybe did something wrong mm-hmm. according to this police report he nearly beat someone to death and it's clearly what he found in the, mm-hmm. what she found in the book and um so everyone basically goes to show madeline the police report and she says oh no guys don't worry it's an isolated insulin and incident and poo-poos it and they say uh-uh mom not this time you need to explain So basically what happened is that Madeline confesses she was having an affair. Mitch found out about it and threatened her with divorce. She did cut it off, but she calls herself weak and says that, hey, someone let the guy I was having the affair with into the house. But hey, kids, I'm not going to tell you who it was. And your dad came home and basically beat him unconscious, dragged him down the stairs. And when they were out on the porch, the neighbor saw and called the police. But she insists, no, no, your dad was not the serial killer. So at this point, did you feel like when she said, oh, no, don't worry, dad's not the killer, did you feel like she knew a little something that she was trying to hide or that she was genuinely reassuring them? Yeah, to me, especially when she uses the dragging down the stairs to, you know, ease Cam's mind about what he saw. And and he even points out later that it was... It was too convenient. She had an answer for everything. And that's usually, you know, a good indication that someone is hiding something. If they have an answer for everything, you know, how many people really remember every little detail or, you know, especially if they're under interrogation, unless they've thought this out. I was going to say, I mean, part of the thing we've come to learn about Madeline is she has that composure in any situation. But even then, you know, when you think we saw the dream that cam had and it's like when madeline saw that it's like is that normal to you (laughs) so i thought that was surprising i was more shocked at the fact that she didn't reveal who the affair was with because one of the things that we've considered is is one of the kids not technically a hawthorne and um you know obviously the dna it hasn't ruled out that they don't have the same father it's just not their dna as far as when they do the testing I mean, it made me think, it's like, was it Gunther? Was, and, and, <laughs> that was my first thought, too, yeah. because yeah. he's the only other person we've seen. The show takes place in such a bubble that he's the only other person we could even consider. Exactly. And I had the same thought, but then they did tell us later that the DNA that didn't match wasn't really hers anyway, so mm-hmm. they still could be all related. I mean... Yeah. But it does seem suspect that maybe one of the kids does is not actually genetically Mitch's child. Yeah, yeah and I'm still on Tessa since she's the most normal. Yeah. <laughs> and also, the, the, they point out her age. She would have been mm. really young, so yeah. it, it seems like we're setting up for that. And it makes me think, well, who could it be and what 
what is that secret? How is it going to play into our bigger mystery? Right. And they, you're right. They made a point of saying this episode how old Tessa had been. But then yeah. they also made a point of saying, but hey, you can see by age five when people are actual killers. Oh, good so Jack. All, all good Dana. You know, yeah. DNA Dana coming yes. in with those facts. Oh. I love that character. Dang, right? Yeah. <laughs> remember that? And she said, wasn't it was Dang? And then there was another one that she said made a joke with her name. Was it was the DNA. Yeah. I'm Dana, like DNA, something yes. like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's great. That's funny. So continuing on from there, then we had um, Cam and Allison and Tessa talking, mm-hmm. and it was an interesting shot because we got a huge bird right in the foreground during that scene. And we have Tessa who finds out about Allison and Naomi, which apparently Cam knew about, but Tessa didn't, and she seems a little bit, um, I guess, shocked and disappointed in her older sister. Um, Allison, uh, let's see, blames Tessa for giving the DNA the, the, to the police, and that that's sort of what got this whole ball rolling. But then we have Garrett and Christina in the woods, and he does say to her, hey, I lived in the woods for 14 years. It was a simple life. You know, maybe my sister missed me, he says. I missed her. And she wonders why he never, you know, came back. What made him leave? And he mm-hmm. says, well, I will tell you, but I need to have um, more firewood, basically. Uh-huh. And it, will, it will be a long story. <laughs> and so when he goes to uh, collect more firewood we, firewood, we hear an owl hooting, so we get more of those birds of prey. And then he notices that there are some guys who have come up to Christine in the woods and are offering her beer and saying, come party with us, come drink with us. And he shows up behind them in this very sort of creepy stance and says, hey, you can stay or go, but it's up to you. And he pulls out his knife and they go. But Christina gets upset and tells Garrett, like, stay away from me. I'm not interested now. Now, I've been a Garrett supporter all along, so I still didn't want to lose that hope mm-hmm. at this point. And I was thinking, there will be an explanation. But Gabriel, I know you have not been a Garrett supporter. What did you think when you saw this? Well, you know, I mean, we know he has the capability, I think, in him to kill somebody. I think we're just looking for the why. I still haven't ruled him out because I think of all the, you know, he is somehow involved. And I can't think of any other reason. You know, if we're ruling out all of our suspects, Garrett is still on the board because ability, because of motive. He's got too many marks against him at this point. And we're going to, I think the next episode, if he doesn't have a real reason why, just a solid alibi, why it wasn't him. He's going to be the one, and I think we're going to find out. It doesn't matter if he's sitting there in the hospital bed. They find out it's him, and he disappears, and that's how the series ends. If they don't (laughs) prove without a shadow of a doubt that it wasn't him... Next episode, he is the killer. I don't want to hear any more theories. <laughs> Gabriel, you are clinging to a sinking yeah. ship. Lucretia, I think you're with me, right? Oh, yeah. Like, I have never thought Garrett was the killer because, you know, as I said, I'm a lumbersexual. Um, I was, I was and, yeah, he's just like, so Why don't you think it's yeah. Garrett? <laughs> okay, aside but, from the yeah, fact that you think he's good-looking, yeah, do you have any other reason why you don't think it's him? Well, to me, especially because you see his character display guilt and remorse, which, you know, is a clear indicator that he did know something but I don't think he ever did anything intentionally but you know I believe that the reason he left is because he knew their father was doing that and he may have been privy to that and wanted to just get away 
And, you know, or possibly his mother now, since we've opened that up. So he knew that's why he left. And to me, it was just there's so many things, as you say, stacked up against him. But that's exactly why he doesn't do it. Because, yeah, it's like, <laughs> oh, he's going out in the woods with the victim's daughter. <laughs> this could go really bad. But, you know, it's like it's so obvious it's not going to happen. <laughs> I yeah. definitely agree with that. Yeah. I am, I'm not. I think they've made him such an obvious choice. Yeah. And you make a really interesting yeah. point that I hadn't thought of as well, that he's showing guilt and remorse and that's not really something that we see from the rest of them I mean Allison is very stoic at this point she doesn't really have much to feel guilty about but she's very stoic Tessa is very bubbly so Mm -hmm. they all have their roles that they fit within this family and the qualities and characteristics but you're Mm -hmm. right he's probably the one that we see the most variety with in terms of feeling so another reason that he is not the killer and Gabriel you are going to be going down by the end of this (laughs) episode 13 is going to come and you're still going to be saying You know, when I'm right and you guys are shocked, I'm going to just be like, you know, that's why you stick to your theories, ladies and gentlemen. Don't don't let your friends, uh, you know, <laughs> convince you otherwise. <laughs> don't fall for peer pressure. You think someone's a killer, you stand by that until it's proven wrong. <laughs> well, peer pressure is a dangerous thing. And so... Not so as is, dangerous as Gary with a knife. <laughs> this is true, too, possibly. But, um, you know, then we get back into more meals, and that's something we've talked about, that they feed each other a lot in mm-hmm. this show. And so Allison's feeding her twins breakfast, and she and Tom seem to have made up at this point. They talk and say, don't worry, sorry, sorry, you know, just placate each other. Mm -hmm. But her phone buzzes and Garrett goes, or Garrett, excuse me, Tom goes over to it. He looks at it and sees that it's a text from Naomi saying like, hey baby, where have you been? Mm -hmm. And so Tom surreptitiously answers and says, hey, come meet me in an hour, um, you know, in the back. And so he doesn't say anything and of course we can guess where this is going. He is going to meet Naomi. And of course, at the same time, we have Tessa who uh, brings the detox drugs to Brady and says, hey, look at these drugs that um, Garrett got for Cam when he was detoxing. Look, maybe this has to do, maybe he's with Christina, his girlfriend, who got the drugs. And Brady immediately recognizes the name and says, don't you realize that's the daughter of the last victim of SBK? And so they sort of race off to try and warn Christina and get in touch with her and say, hey, if you are with Garrett, be careful. And um, at this point, we cut to the painting. So this is it. If you are keeping track for Mm -hmm. uh, the episode title, The Chess Players, this is where we see it. And it's Sophie, who is actually standing over Jack and Cam as they're playing chess. And something that's interesting, so this painting was painted in 1876 by Thomas Eakins, and I might be pronouncing his name wrong, and it hangs in the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York right now. And what it is, is it's supposed to be um, Thomas's father, who's actually observing a chess match. He painted this for his father, with his father in it, and the younger chess players attempt to kill the older player's king is supposed to be an analogy for the Oedipus complex. And what that is, is when a young child is sexually in love with one of their parents, the parent of the opposite sex. So generally a young boy who is in love with his mother. Um, so that's where we see the painting. And it's interesting in these terms as well that we see it with Sophie, Jack, and Cam. And their interaction, because Cam says to Jack, hey, can't you let your dad win? And Jack says, why would I let you win if you're not playing well? (laughs) And Sophie says, well, he does have a point there. So, um, you know, I felt like that that all tied back to the theme of the painting and this Oedipus complex. And uh, so then Jack mentions that, hey, hiding from the vultures is fun. And the vultures are how he's referring to all of the um, reporters who are on their front lawn. 
Madeline comes in and notices Sophie and says, what are you doing here? And Sophie basically says, if you live in a glass house, don't throw stones, Madeline. You've got nothing to say here. And um, now we get to the moment we've been waiting for because Naomi shows up and Tom is there with her. And uh, we hear a bird calling, so it gives us a clue. This is a big moment. And Tom and Naomi talk. And Tom says to her, hey, I know everything down to the silk that you tie my wife to our bed with. You've got nothing. And Naomi says, I do have something. This is more than just a fling. We have a deep relationship. So Oh, snap. <laughs> oh, snap. So did you think that Naomi really felt like they had a deep relationship, or do you think she was grasping at straws at that point, Lucretia? I really do think, at least for Naomi's part, she is in love with Allison. I am still not sure Allison has real feelings um, in general, just by the way she is with Tom and even her own kids and her family. So... Yeah, the only person she seems that affectionate about is her dad, which is ironic since they use the Oedipus complex, uh, you know, in the analogy of that, when they're actually, you know, that only applies to males being in love with their mother and wanting to kill their father, like Oedipus, in uh, Greek mythology, but... It's interesting when it's a woman, you know, and her father, that's actually the Electra complex from uh, Freud. And to me, that's the only thing we actually see here. None of these boys love their mother. (laughs) (laughs) No. Except maybe Jack. Jack, like, he seems okay, but he doesn't seem to hate his dad either. It's like as psychopathic as this child is, he seems good with his parents. (laughs) And that's why I think also in terms of this complex that they're not using it to the direct psychological affiliation of it is, Mm -hmm. right, because it's Oedipus versus Electra. I Mm -hmm. think they're using it in general. And yeah, I mean, you're right. Allison Mm -hmm. is the one who loves Mm -hmm. her dad and has early on, even before we got to this painting, has been defending him. Yeah, and that seems to be the only person she's that attached to. Mm -hmm. You know. You're right. Even out of her family, despite feeding her girls Mm. breakfast, she is still... Well, you know, one thing I really want to point out about the scene with Tom and Naomi is that Naomi, I feel, she believes that she and Allison are on the same level, even though initially, I mean, it's still a boss-employee relationship. Yeah, they kind of like, oh, we have our secret thing, and I'm sure it's as hot and heavy as, you know, they always are, as we saw. (laughs) But, you know, in the... At the end of it, you know, is Naomi honestly on the same level? I mean, yes, she's smart, she's witted, but is she as calculating, as willing to do whatever needs to be done for her campaign as an Allison? And I think that's what intimidated Naomi about what Tom was saying in that scene. I don't don't know. I think you might be wrong because we saw last week that Naomi was definitely calculating with the intern who she promoted, she gave her the laptop, and then she completely discredited her. And Allison even said, I should have trusted that you had this plan. So I don't know. I think Naomi's pretty calculating. She is. She's very smart. But let me tell you something. A smart person can play checkers. I think Allison is playing chess. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we're going to see come to play in the second half of the season. Okay, maybe, maybe. I mean, that's just me. (laughs) Well, we've got Brady and Tessa who rushed to Christine this place to warn her. Mm -hmm. And, of course, she's not there, but they discover that she has a dog. They find the dog sitter's information. The dog sitter says, oh, yeah, I know where they were going, Kendall State Park. And so Tessa just absolutely begs Brady, don't leave without me. Let's go. Let's not call the police. And he says, hey, honey, I left my keys in the apartment. Can you go get them? And he takes off without her. And I thought, oh, this is a bad sign for their relationship. So (laughs) did you guys cringe a little Mm -hmm. bit? Yeah, you know, Brady's just like the other Boston Brady. A bit of a screw up. (laughs) Uh, uh, 
I know. I feel. I think yeah. Tess was the one feeling a little deflated. But mm-hmm. <laughs> no. But um, one of the things you know, their relationship seemed to be the strongest when we started the show, if you guys remember. Yeah, yeah. And so to watch them deteriorate week to week. And what I like is that it's very organic. We see that Brady, as much as he loves Tess, we don't really see how attached he kind of is to the rest of his, you know, family in-laws. But I feel like Brady is starting to get himself into trouble, not just with Tess, but he's getting close to something. And I think that runs a bigger risk for him. How Tess falls into, comes into play toward the end, I'm not sure just yet, but... Brady is starting to put himself at a bit of a risk because no matter who it is, Garrett, he is uh-huh. getting closer to SBK. And I think that puts him on the same level as Tom, you know, a character we recognize but isn't going to make it to the season finale. I mean, he's definitely getting close to something, I agree. And um, I think in some ways, though, he could be trying to protect Tessa, too. I do think he's genuinely in love with her. He is in this terrible position of wanting to further his career, but of course this is his wife's family. But I think he wants to protect her and realizes it could be dangerous. Yeah, and I, I really do think that Brady is a good guy coming from a good place. Mm-hmm. He did that because he thought that was best for her because he didn't want her in harm's way if Garrett was the killer. and Because he doesn't know this Garrett that she does. And everyone points out that who Tessa thinks Garrett is is not what everybody else mm-hmm. believes. So that's why he probably be- believes this is idealistic mm-hmm. and he needs to keep her out of that because he's trying to catch the killer and ultimately protect her as well as the rest of the family who might not be murderers. And that goes back to also the theme that yeah. we saw, I think it was last week, if not the week before, about do people change mm. and how can they change? And right, yeah. he, she is the only one who's clinging to mm. the Garrett that, if anything, that she knew versus mm-hmm. the Garrett who he possibly has become. Uh, and mm-hmm. Well, I do want to point out one thing, you know, regarding the entire situation and also not just uh, Tessa and uh, Brady, but also Cam and Sophie in a way. Madeline's conversation with her children that, you know, sometimes the source of your happiness when you're married becomes, yeah. feels, starts to feel like it's the thing that's getting in the way of it. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, we're supposed to really read into the parallels exactly what, you know, in terms of the siblings, how are their spouses or ex-spouses in the case of Cam really starting to become something that's holding them back in whatever form that may be, whether it's to hide their secrets or their personal goals. Obviously, Allison and Tom, you know, where do they come into play? How much is Tom really in the way as, or compared to helping Allison? So I think that's a very important one to read because I think it foreshadows the fact that Brady and Tessa, uh, for being two of our most positive characters on this show, are not going to last. You're right, and there was that scene also earlier with Sophie on the phone, and Cam overheard her and thought it sounded like she was trying to get money to a dealer, and it turns out she says, no, I was talking to a real estate agent. We need to get away from here. I was finding a place for us to go with Jack. So you're right, and but I think that in this case, whereas maybe at the beginning it seemed like Sophie was bad for Cam, we're seeing that maybe looks can be deceiving or that she has changed, or I'd like to think she's continuing to change since she just had the drug issue an episode ago. And that she will be good for Cam. Yeah, I think that she was genuine in trying to get him away from this because the fact that she came there wanting to protect Jack shows that she probably has changed. I do believe believe she's different Mm -hmm. than what we've come to know. But at the end of the day, when I think about that situation, you know, 
she has a point. Uh, Cam's family isn't necessarily always the best thing for him, but that doesn't mean that Sophie is either, in my opinion. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I feel is going to come into play. Cam isn't going to be forced to choose between Sophie and his family. Rather, he's going to see where both of them maybe held him back in his life in ways that he wasn't really aware of growing up. Oh, interesting. You're right. He could pick neither in yes. the end. Well, he we could get... pick Jack, who mm-hmm. God knows needs help. <laughs> well, I hope he picks Jack regardless. Yeah. Still his sign. And that brings us to the end of the episode and, of course, the two big revelations here that happened. On one hand, we have the police detective who comes to the house and says, we have the DNA back. It belonged to Mitchell. And so that's our first big revelation. Second big revelation is that Christina goes in Garrett's jacket. She gets her cell phone. She hears the message from Brady warning her that she is with the suspected SBK killer, mm-hmm. or I suppose that's redundant then. No. <laughs> Silver Bells, killer, killer. <laughs> and um, to get away. So she pulls a knife. She says, um, you know, let me have the keys. He gives them to her. Then he approaches her, mm-hmm. and we have this slicing sound effect mm-hmm. and a pause, and uh-oh, who is it? But the police show up. They say, get out of the truck, and it turns out it's Christina who's covered in blood, and it is Garrett, who's our final shot of the show, who is there laying covered in blood in the woods. But he is still alive. We see an eye move. So, first of all, Mitchell, I think, mm-hmm. you know, I don't have my list in front of me right now for all of our past guesses, but I'm pretty sure at some point we guessed Mitchell along the way. Yeah, as I said, I knew he was involved at some point, Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, you held on to Mitch uh, um, for one. I know, I think I've had him for three, him and Garrett, but I I think abandoned it last (laughs) week, which, why? But also, I mean, okay, he was responsible for some, not all. I believe that's what's going to happen, but... um, yeah, I I like that they didn't attach the DNA to one of the siblings because I feel like that would have escalated the story too quickly when we're only halfway through it. So we have a lot of room to work, rather as, let's say it was Cam, for example. Suddenly we were, we're going to start looking for all the reasons why he didn't do it or how could he and how is this affecting his family. So they were never going to put one of the siblings, you know, their DNA on the belt. Yeah, I think that you're right. They had to give us something. So halfway through, we get this revelation that it was Mitchell. But it will be interesting to see how the second person, which the previews for next week already teased us, there's officially a second killer, which I think we had to guess. We still have half a season left. So how is that person going to have worked with Mitchell or known or been involved because there had to be some other connection? And it makes me really eager to see what happens because I want to know like when Madeline killed him and when she said all these things about, oh, your dad collected the bills, but no big deal. Like, Mm -hmm. has she actually known or has she suspected? So I kind of liked that it was Mitchell and I kind of liked that we got a solid answer and hopefully they'll stick with it. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, the second revelation of Christina stabbing Garrett. Oh, my heart was broken. Poor uh-huh. Garrett. But I also felt vindicated. Like, yes, I knew you weren't the killer all along. <laughs> but, Gabriel, you think he could still be the killer? Okay, I would like to point out, he was about to explain something to Christina in that final scene. She did stab him, but she doesn't even really, like... Yeah, she's in shock, but I feel like she's not in shock about the fact that she stabbed him. I honestly, I can't figure out how. It's going to get very convoluted. But I do believe that Garrett told Christina a secret and Christina stabbed him in some way to draw the attention away from him. 
Wait, so you think that in that moment, Garrett confessed something yes. and that she's trying to help him yes. because she doesn't seem upset enough. Is that the... Yes, that is exactly okay. what I'm thinking. She I'm not is sure helping... I'm on board with that theory. I, I'm going to hold on to that theory. She, is help... she helped him hide something. And it's something that needed... When they knew that they were looking for Garrett, the police were looking for Garrett, it had to look good. And somehow Garrett got Christina to go along with it and he shared a secret that's going to be very very important and she's not going to share it with the family either but Guys, when are we already in predictions it sounds like we're in predictions it yeah. does kind of sound like we've moved into predictions a little bit well we can do our fun prediction mu- mm-hmm. music and and predict away uh. and now you're after buzz tv predictions the chat has been predicting that it, the killer could possibly be a long-lost Hawthorne uh, with Mitch. Hmm. So maybe he had an illegitimate child, but I don't I don't know if I necessarily think that. I still think it's possibly Madeline or Adelison at okay. this point, because I do think that the second killer is a woman. Okay. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So Madeline or Allison mm-hmm. is your guess right now. Yeah. Gabriel, who's your guess? You know what? In the event that it is not Garrett, I want to (laughs) pose two important theories. The first one from Courtney Perdue. I said that if Phyllis survives, what if it's Phyllis and she got help from Caramel, her cat, in killing all the people? Oh, please tell me that's not your real prediction. (laughs) That's a throwaway. I I promise if Phyllis survived, I would have put that up out there on the air for our fans. But I do believe Allison wants to somehow take Mitch's place. And so I think she is the wild card to be the killer. Okay, and I'm going with Allison as well. So as we wrap up this week, let us know what your thoughts are. Leave us a message in the YouTube comments. Also, please review us on iTunes. Leave us those five stars. And in the meantime, you can find all of us on social media. Lucretia, where can everyone find you? You guys can find me at L-A-C-R-E-T-I-A-L-Y-O-N, anywhere since there is only one. And you can find me all the time on Twitter at Double G on TV. And I'm Zoe Hewitt. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Zoe Said What. That's Z-O-E Said What. You can also find me on YouTube at Zoe Hewitt Hosting. Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz, Buzz you later. Expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.